From the Oxano Podcast Network, welcome to My Ministry Breakthrough, hosted by me, Brian Rose. This podcast is all about pastors sharing unfiltered stories of moments large and small, of times when the fog of ministry chaos clears and breakthrough clarity happens. Being able to have a facility that communicates a story, that provides an environment for life change to happen, is huge. And and I don't think that's commonplace when you think of a construction project. It's, oh, we're out of space, we just need some more seats, or we need another, another room to do X, Y, and Z in, without really looking at, gee, how do we utilize this space for God's purpose, which is really connecting people both horizontally and vertically. The most money you will ever commit to spending as a church happens during the renovation or building of facilities. In my experience as an Oxano navigator, pastoral staff member, and even before ministry as an intern architect, I've seen churches make two critical errors in building and design projects. Many either overbuild or underbuild. Often we underbuild to save money and then, with great frustration, realize on Dedication Sunday that we're already out of space, but still have many more years of paying for the one we just opened. Or we overbuild and on Dedication Sunday realize we've actually limited our ability to do ministry in critical ways. Last episode, Pastor Chad Keck and I talk about just this subject. We make these huge decisions in the name of stewardship, but stewardship is not always about the lowest bidder or lowest cost when it comes to building and renovation projects. It takes a trustworthy and knowledgeable guide to know the difference. In this episode of My Ministry Breakthrough, my guest is John Parker, president of Visioneering Studios, the only faith-based design-build firm that helps churches from Los Angeles to Charlotte envision, design, and build sacred spaces that reach people seven days a week. Visioneering starts with, as the name implies, your church's vision, your vision for the Great Commission and disciple-making, and then, as master storytellers, they create compelling environments for churches large and small. I love it when John talks about the moment when he felt the impact of telling story in built environments through the experience of his daughter and her friends. John also shares his heart for helping churches avoid the costly mistake of building too much or too little because they're not sure who they are or what they actually need to accomplish their mission. So lean in and listen up to John Parker, president of Visioneering Studios in Santa Ana, California. Give us a little bit of the history of Visioneering Studios. Tell our our podcast listeners out there, who is Visioneering Studios? Obviously, we've gotten to the fact that you guys are designers, right? Architects, but you're much more than that. Give us a little bit of the backstory uh, of of the the company and, and what you guys do. Well, about 15 years ago, we were birthed out of a ministry called Church Development Fund. Church Development Fund had been around since 1953, uh, lending to churches and, and other nonprofit institutions for uh, you know for church expansion. So it started as facilities. kind of a hey, you need you need help in not just raising money, but but well, I think we're going to ch- be a financial institution for you, right? So you know, basically, uh, yeah, because most lending institutions don't understand church and right. and and that revenue and, and right. how it's achieved and how to 
to underwrite it, you know, for a loan. And so Church Development Fund had been around since 1953 and, and ultimately had seen where loans went bad, good, the process yeah, yeah, yeah. of building and construction. And I think we just all know that design and construction and development is not an easy process. Yeah. It's challenging, you know. And so basically Visioneering was birthed out of how do we help churches uh, go through this process and make informed, great, creative decisions, and uh, and make it happen. Yeah. Know, without some of the challenges that are inherent to the business. And so, tell us about the name Visioneering and what that means, because it, it has a certain context here. So, I think you guys are a, a nationwide company, but the context of that name really kind of has roots here in, in Southern California, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's really it's engineering, God inspired vision. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, you can have an, a vision and how do you engineer that vision? And uh, also a few of us had previously worked at Walt Disney Imagineering. So, again, okay. kind of that Imagineering. Uh, so Visioneering Studios yeah. was birthed out of that. And that's your background, right? You were actually a, a you are a visioneer or were a, is it kind of like the Marines? Like you're once a Marine, always a Marine, once a visioneer, always a visioneer? Well, an Imagineer with Disney. I'm sorry, an yeah, Imagineer. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think once you're an Imagineer, you're always Imagineer. I mean, being a part of the Walt Disney. Do you have like a card or something? I do. I do. Are you serious? You have a card that says Imagineer? Yes. Laminated like ID badge? It says Walt Disney Imagineering. Imagineer. All access yep. to the park? Well, once and when I was employed there. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but not now. Not now. No, not now. So it's not a lifetime thing. I wish it was. Yeah. But uh, you know, and so it was fun. You go through. What did you do? What did you do there? Uh, I was a project director and a construction manager. Okay. So my role was to work with show producers, with architects, with creative leads, uh, with park facilities. I mean, there's probably you know. Uh, 30 to 50 different titles uh, in within Imagineering. Okay. Um, but basically the theme park hires Imagineering to design a new ride or attraction or land or a whole new theme park. And so uh, when I joined uh, Imagineering, I uh, got to spend some time on Tomorrowland, got to spend some time in Florida, in Orlando, working on Animal Kingdom, and then ultimately uh, the California adventure out here in Anaheim. How does that experience you had with Imagineering and the Disney companies and those things, how does that translate into how you guys serve churches today? What did you bring from that experience to, to kind of leverage for kingdom gain? Oh, great question. I think um, for us, it's really this idea of collaboration. Okay. Um, you know, the industry kind of calls it um, integrated project design. But, you know, what that technical term is, is really working yeah, together. You're going to have to use weekend words for me on that one. But how would you say that to a fifth grader? <laughs> exactly. But what that really means is how do we work collectively together as a team okay. to, to implement something? And so, you know, if you think about uh, you know, you may have an architect, you may have an engineer, you may have a landscape architect, you may have on your own team, the church. What's what's the uniqueness about yeah. the church? What's the uniqueness about the area that you're in? Um, and as we work together as a team, rather than independently siloed where, well, we'll hire an architect to draw something, then we'll go work with a contractor, then we'll, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And all these are kind of independent silos. Really, it's how do we collectively as a team work together, iron sharpening iron, developing something and working through executing it, both, you know, financially, schedule, design, um, and working through challenges collectively together. And visioneering, I think that's what sets it apart. There's not, in my understanding, there's not really any other firm out there 
that can take something really from a concept and actually through the entire process and execute it uh, and do it collaboratively and integrate it as a team. Yeah. When, when, when Community Development Fund kind of started you guys, was it with that in mind? Was it with that whole big picture in mind? Or was it, hey, we, want, we just want to serve the churches and with good design? I mean, Yeah, I think initially it was really just, well, you know, churches, not pastors, you know, they go to seminary, yeah, not necessarily yeah, to real yeah, estate school, yeah, right? Yeah. So it was really, boy, we could, some of these churches, some of these pastors, some of these executive leaders really need some help in the process because the terminology, all these things are yeah. foreign to them. And, uh, you know, some of the mistakes, and I don't know if you want to call them a mistake, but, you know, a simple design is, you know, put a church, you put a circle around it, kind of the donut in the parking lot, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Like you know, a mall, like put <laughs> plop, plop the church in the middle, put enough parking around it. Right. But that doesn't necessarily work or function well, just, you know, from a logistics standpoint on Sunday, getting cars in and out, people walking through, right. backing up traffic. I mean, there's all kinds of things and so you know it's it's there's a lot of uniqueness to how churches operate and function mm -hmm. and so there's that functional side and then there's the creative side you know it's not just build a simple building and and that will work i yeah. mean stewardship isn't necessarily always cheapest is better right right um, but what we wanted to do was really be able to how do we come alongside and communicate your uniqueness i mean god always spoke in stories, parables, yeah. <laughs> in communication. And, yeah. and so, you know, how are we communicating? Not how are we, how is that church communicating their uniqueness um, in that community? And then also the uniqueness of Christ. And so I think initially, going back to your question with Church Development Fund, it was really just how can we consult and be uh, an assistance to the church? And really what we found was there was a real need there. Yeah. And that just continued to develop to, okay, we can help with design. Well, you help with design, but that doesn't necessarily help with dealing with a contractor who's yeah, wanting yeah. change orders and changing yeah. design and things. Or that doesn't work as well with dealing with a city that's doing all kinds of zoning and questions and permits and everything. And so what we did was really become the um, kind of professional expert to help churches through this process um, and really be um, a partner through it. Yeah. Kind of navigating navigating the journey just as if you're kind of on a hike somewhere and <laughs> you may need a guide you know we like to think of ourselves as that guide that's really going to get you from that concept that creative vision that you have and making it reality what are some of the as you've been doing this now for 15 years is that what Correct. you said yeah as 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 you guys have been doing this now and helping churches what are some of the common pitfalls you might see what are some of the maybe a misconception on the front end that churches have Maybe there's moments in the middle where, I mean, we're, we're looking out at a wall here. And I love you guys. You guys are storytellers, and you brought that up. And so being able to help churches tell the story. And, and you put your money where your mouth is. I mean, right outside this this little um, kind what of room studio in. room kind of we're sitting in. Because you guys have an open floor plan. We can hear movement and stuff in the background. But you kind of have these little ISO booths here. Right outside this wall, there comes all the refreshments rolling by. Uh, right outside this wall, there's kind of the story of how you work with churches. And I can see, you know, there's like, there's some there's some skull and crossbones moments in there. So I know there's, there's things that happen that are challenges, but there's also things that happen that are really good. What are some of those things you've seen, like that a pastor sitting out there might say, oh, wow, okay, you know, this is where we are. This is what I've seen. 
Yeah, great. I'm I'm nodding the whole time. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yes. What I'm doing is I'm asking a long question because I so you can think about it because I didn't prep you with that one, right? No problem. Well, you know, I'll I'll explain one. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, you know, churches often sometimes will find existing property that's of great value, right? And so, um, you know, let's say whether it's an old like Lowe's, they have it or they they maybe they're located. Okay, so right? there's like an old Lowe's or Lowe's or Sears or, Sears or something like that. Toys right? R Us, Blockbuster, whatever. <laughs> Circuit City, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, you name yeah, all yeah. the, and they think to themselves, great space. You know, boy, we can get a good deal on it. Let's mm-hmm. go for it. And um, and unfortunately, you know, we have someone in the church that will help us. You know, they do real estate and they help us underwrite it. And, <laughs> and you know, those, those are always the best, aren't they? <laughs> right. We got somebody who can do X. And uh, you know, and so unfortunately, they'll move into a place or right. they'll acquire a place, and then without really understanding what it takes to. Uh, make a church happen. And so uh, from a city perspective, churches are not entitled to be anywhere. There's not a zoning for churches. Right. Um, So no matter what, a church has to ask for a conditional use permit. And so, you know. Meaning anywhere they go, they have to ask permission to use the property in that way. Like there's there's residential areas, there's, there's business areas, there's all these zonings that are set up by cities, but a church kind of exists outside of any of those. Correct. And so they have to get permission, which means they have to come on the radar screen. In most cases, they don't pay taxes, right? Correct. And so there's not, cities aren't like, yay, we want more churches. <laughs> uh, no. And so there's a there's even a uniqueness of how do we deal with cities? Yeah. How do we show the value of a mm. church being here yeah. uh, rather than it just being not a tax you know, right. revenue for, right. for the city? But, you know, the CUP process is challenging because you have to look at traffic. And, you know, there's a lot of peak traffic that gets you know <laughs> a couple hours on, on sunday right <laughs> a couple hours on sunday and not other times um if you're in a shopping mall plaza uh typically yeah. the owner of the entire plaza uh sometimes uh there's ratings as far as different retail yeah and unfortunately a church is a low rating on retail <laughs> you know meaning so, like so property property owners aren't lining up to have churches come in their space and uh sometimes it doesn't even allow the use of a church in the lease agreements with the other tenants. And so you could be bucking that. Um, But just even talking about the property, you know, you have a lot of facility, but those facilities aren't um, designed for assembly. So assembly requires a different set of fire standards and egress, exiting, entrance, all kinds of things. So just because there's a building sitting empty doesn't mean it could be a church. Right. And then power, you know, obviously, you know, Worship, yeah. <laughs> stage events is much different power requirement than a Sears had with turning on the lights. Yeah, Same yeah. thing with with uh, air conditioning systems, right? And so what we find is churches get involved with, hey, I found this property. It looks great. and Maybe they've know, already bought it. Maybe they they've already yeah. bought it. Or, you know, we had our architect take a look at it and everything's great or whatever. But then they start realizing, boy, there's some other things that we didn't realize that now we're going through the process of entitlements to get that condition use permit we have to do parking issues we didn't realize yeah, yeah. we have to upgrade all of the mechanical and electrical and everything and so um but you know so that's one of those things where it sounds like a great deal but yeah. boy make sure you kind of kick the tires and understand um, some of the due diligence so for us we love to come alongside and say hey look you know these are some of the things about the property that you know you may really want to think about or make right. sure that that's going into the equation. And so that's kind of the 
well, looking at left brain, right brain, right? The other side is, wow, how can we turn that Sears into something that really just resonates in the community, tells your story, and mm-hmm. is a facility that's going to sit there and change lives, right? Yeah. And so there's that creative side as well of what can we do there. So for us, it's really how can we take that facility and be a good steward of it and not just bury it in the ground or whatever, but really raise the level of what that can be. Um, and so for us, it's not just about even visioning what it could be. It's about helping you actually execute it. So we can come alongside, handle all the city stuff, do the architecture, do the budgeting, and ultimately do the construction and deliver it over. Wow. What, um, why is story so important for you guys? Why is telling that story and helping churches kind of tell the story? What I mean, why does that even matter with architecture? Shouldn't sure. we just kind of have a building that we can unlock and, you know, it doesn't doesn't offend people or whatever you know everybody why why is story so important yeah we you know i'll revert back to another disney thing when california adventure opened it was kind of telling the story of you know visiting the postcards what are the different sightseeing things in california when you come so to visit a, was that a part of walt's original idea no this okay. was all post walt okay um, but it was the creative team that came up with california adventure you know, people come to California. How could you see the Golden Gate Bridge, San Francisco, and San Diego? How can you do all that it's a big in one state. day? Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. In one day at one theme park, yeah. right? And uh, it it went well. It was successful what it was intended to do, but it didn't have any heartstrings to it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, um, ten years later, when they did kind of the makeover of it, is they immersed story into it, and that was the idea of Walt. When Walt came out from Missouri. Okay. When he arrived in L.A., <laughs> what L.A. looked like at the time, and that that immersion of being able to be story all of a sudden started really resonating with people. And so, you know, kind of— So real quick, though, let me—because let me, I, I think there's something yeah. powerful in there. They built—they invested millions, hundreds of millions of dollars right. in a theme park that was designed to kind of have these, these spots, right? right? Say, we're going to take you to the Golden Gate Bridge. We're going to take you to Hollywood. We're going right. to take you to the Redwoods. And the, they were disconnected. They had the they had the right spots, but there was no story that connected them together. And maybe sometimes we see in churches today, well, we have a children's room and we have this killer worship center, we have all these things, but there's no heart that connects them. What is what is our gospel yes. point of view? What's our what's our great commission perspective that ties what we're doing into the why we're doing it? Is that is that close well, to where we're you- going there? You said it better than I could have okay. said it. Ever. And they had to go back and spend millions of dollars on top of millions of dollars to fix what they had missed the first time. They almost spent a billion dollars fixing <laughs> oh and, and adding some things. But yes. Yeah. Uh, but their income source is a little bit yeah, more the, than the, the budgets church, at Disney right? are yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But believe it or not, there were budgets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're just large budget, yeah, budgets. Lots of but, zeros. Uh, but, you know, same thing. I'll even mention kind of some of the coffee shops or just even what the economy is doing right now. I mean, coffee shops can be very functional. They can be appealing. You can sit in or whatever like that. But if you immerse story into that coffee shop and let's talk about yeah. where are the beans coming from and yeah. who's harvesting them and, and, you know, how are you making a difference yeah. over, you know, where that, you know, in that family's life that's dependent on, you know, the coffee bean and what's the story behind it. And people get connected with that story. Yeah. All of a sudden that cup of coffee means a lot more than just the transaction of getting, you know, a good flavored coffee, right? And Starbucks is starting to do that more. Absolutely. In fact, I was just outside Oklahoma City a couple of weeks ago and in the drive through line, the wall, that big blank wall in the drive through that every quick service restaurant has, the blank wall while you're sitting there, 
I saw they had started to tell the story of this coffee bean that you're about, I mean, you're about to get the cup of coffee. Right. And I think it's funny that we're notable that even Starbucks, this big corporate, that people are going to go to Starbucks. They're going to get their coffee no matter what. Right. They're starting to recognize uh, the value of telling that story. Side note, when I did post an Insta story about that and, and talked about it, tied it back to the church, uh-huh. my daughter threw some serious shade at me. She roasted me for making it all, in her words, worky. Dad, why do you have to make everything worky? So anyway, but it is, it's interesting to note that, that, you know, we have the greatest story, right? Right. As the church, as, as pastors and leaders in the local church, we are telling the greatest story of all, but sometimes our spaces are functional. Correct. Does, does telling story... And not just being functional mean that it's going to be mega expensive, I guess, is the next question. I don't think story really plays into the cost. What do you mean? You know, um, meaning I don't think to do to tell story costs any more than not telling story. And when I say not telling a story, yeah. it, you know. Just building the building. Just building the, the building. Yeah. Uh, you know, you are telling a story. You're telling a story really of nothing, right? <laughs> or I a functionality or something, right? You're telling a story. What you're saying is, is that. Our church buildings tell a story no matter what. Correct. Absolutely. Most of the time as church leaders, we're not controlling what story is being told. Correct. And, you know, when people come to your church, you know, they don't always have the opportunity to sit down with the senior pastor or executive leader to hear all about what the yeah. church is doing, yeah. what's involved, yeah. what's the history, what what's the community feel, what, you know— it, they rarely have that happen, but they're coming to church and they're already developing what this church is about mm-hmm. and what story they're telling. Um, and so what better way to do that through, you know, through graphics, through design, through immersion and mm-hmm. other things. And so, you know, I love the idea of being able to have someone come to a church, not ever being able to speak to anyone, you know, not purposely but yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But, not on but, purpose but without speaking to anyone being able to come away and articulate what's unique about this church and you know i may want to attend here i may want to serve here i might want to come back here because of these things and you know i think with not being able to speak with anyone but to be able to come back and understand what that church's vision yeah. or mission is is an important part of of any facility it seems like at that point we know they are going to get to interact with people. So there's a double layering there. Right. There's a layering of not just what somebody tells me when I'm there and that I happen to catch the right greeter or or I happen to run into a pastor in the hallway they can tell right. me the story. Now, everything that I interact with anyone really is just, you know, another layer on top of the baseline story we've or, already told. you know, to add to that, just think about if they actually sync up, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if you're— If they're telling the same story, If you they're say? telling the same story, right? You know, yeah. which ideally they are. But now you're talking my language. Then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's what's been one of these kind of high-water moments for you in doing this? The last 15 years, you look back, you guys have served a, a ton of churches, and I know there's a lot of cool stories that are out there. What's been, what's been one of those moments that's forever kind of seared in your memory of— and this is why we're doing this. This is this is the reason. Right. Well, I'll, I'll make it very personal. I'll give two personal type stories. Okay. One was um, we got to work on a on a local church here when my daughter was younger, and um, there was two things at this church that we got involved with. Uh, one was the children's ministry area and stuff. Okay. And um, you know, it was definitely a fun 
you know, area for kids. And what was neat was... Real themed out. Real themed out. And and, um, and it wasn't much of a theme, but it was just, it was the idea that... um, you know, it, it was a step up from kind of flannel graphs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. It wasn't like Sunday school, right? Yeah, you know? Yeah. And what was fun is we would go on Saturday nights and the neighborhood kids would actually come up and say, hey, can we go with you guys to your church? We love going there. And wow. like, you know, we didn't have to walk around and invite. Like people were coming to us because mm-hmm. of the, you know, fun, great time that they were having at church and coming back. And, you know, it's one of those things where we had to start driving multiple cars to take all the kids, you know, to church and stuff. And pretty soon some of the parents wanted to come and hang and stuff. And yeah. so, you know, I think church has the ability to really, you know, make an impact in the community um, and so, you know, that was a fun process of hearing kids really wanting to go to some place. And it wasn't yeah. necessarily, you know, they weren't understanding like this was maybe the greatest story ever told. Right. <laughs> they were just knowing that, hey, this was really a fun place that I want to be a part of. And so creating that facility or environment that really speaks to kids and speaks mm-hmm. fun um, was neat. Um, at the same time, we got to build a chapel. And at that chapel, um, there was a floor signing ceremony. And what was really, really what do you mean? What's a floor signing ceremony? Sure. So it was a kind of a dedication type point okay. within the you know within the construction of this chapel that was going to ultimately be made for uh, you know weddings and funerals okay. and other yeah. events there. And what was really neat was the church allowed anyone to come in and write on the floor, um, whether it's a prayer or a scripture verse or something like that. And uh, you know, I got to write a prayer for my daughter's future husband. I know right where it is. You know, I don't yeah. know if she'll ever get married in that particular chapel or not, but you know, just the, but you're going to pay for it if it's there, <laughs> right? That's that what you're going to say. Hey babe, I, I will cover the wedding if you have it here. <laughs> Maybe I don't. I haven't really even thought that far about uh, I'm just, about paying. I'm just here to help, John. I'm just here to help. But uh, you know, it was a special yeah, moment, and yeah. you know, I think you know, a building just doesn't have to be practical. Mm-hmm. You know, there's moments where uh, there's some real um, life or heart changes that happen, even in that process. And yeah. so, you know, for for us at Visioneering, I think being a part of these kind of life moments are really important, especially obviously when it impacts personally. But yeah. but then looking at how you know, you look at people that are attending that church, you know that there's going to be life change and impact and things. Uh, Another one was in um, St. Charles, uh, uh, Missouri. We built a church and they did a floor signing ceremony of their worship center. And uh, the floor signing was really, everyone picked a verse that was important to them. And so when I got to walk out over that floor and see all the scripture verses and the senior pastor at the time mentioned saying, look, you know, we talk about, the foundation of God and yeah. God's word. And so knowing every time those people stand there, mm. they're standing on top of God's word. Yeah. That's their foundation. You know, the the story, the implication, mm. you know, um, behind that is powerful. Yeah. It's not just a building. It's not just yeah. a floor, right? And so, uh, and then what's really neat, we recently opened uh, a project in Kentucky and our uh, construction director uh, was a part of the process and really got kind of involved. And the neat thing about it was on Dedication Sunday, he surprised us all and he was baptized. Are you serious? Yeah. So he he you know furthered his walk with Christ by Absolutely. by being a part of this process and Absolutely. Wow. So you know it we know that when we go through this process, yeah. you know, we're we're assisting and aiding the church in, you know, developing facilities. Mm-hmm. But what we get excited about is 
being able to communicate the story, their story, the story of Christ, and knowing that there's going to be life change and decisions that are made because of this, not only project, but, you know, you know, forever in time, you know, so it's pretty exciting. That is so much more than just, okay, let's, let's just kind of get more seats. Right. You know, let's, let's kind of have a cool themed out kids area is it's connecting it. And if you're going to pay for more seats, why not get the highest and best value for those seats? Yeah. You know, yeah. be able to communicate a story, be able to do an environment that attracts people to come back mm-hmm. and use and see the space and hear the, the great message of Christ. Why is it, do you think that many, I mean, let's say most, honestly, just in my experience and, you know, I'm in the, in the profession for five years before going to seminary and, and jumping to the other side of the fence and being on the church staff team, but in every church staff team I was on, we we did some sort of building, we did some sort of facility, and I don't think that's just because I was there. I think that every church at some point, you know, every five or ten years maybe, thinks in some ways about expanding facilities. Why do you think that most, if not all, churches don't think bigger? Why do they think with such a limited scope, given the fact that we've, we're stewarding the greatest story there is? You know, I not to... Um you know, put words in their mouth. But I think, you know, facilities somewhat are just kind of a stewardship, you know, while Christ spoke on we the side of a mountain. We throw that word around, right? You know, you know we throw stewardship simple's around. Simple's better, yeah. you know, simple's better. Christ never had a facility, right? You yeah. Know? yeah. Hey, the uh, church grew the most without buildings, without guys. buildings. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not here to say that, um, that you need a facility to have church, right? Or you need a facility to change lives. Uh, but I think the reality is, is that when when we do come together as a community, as a body, that there's some real powerfulness. Um, you know, we're all broken. And, yeah. we, you know, we, uh, that brokenness, you know, we need support and help and, you know, partnerships through the process. And whether it's going through a divorce or raising kids or, you know, whatever that brokenness or challenge um, is, you know, doing that together and having mm-hmm. space to meet and connect. Uh, because I feel in church, uh, you do have that ability to connect with someone that may be that best friend that gets you through, you know, that that cancer in your life mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it may be. And so I think, you know, being able to have a facility that communicates a story that provides an environment for life change to happen is huge. And, and I don't think that's commonplace when you think of a construction project. It's Oh, we're out of space. We just need some more seats, or we need another mm-hmm. another room to do X, Y, and Z in. Without really looking at, gee, how do we utilize this space for God's purpose, which is really connecting people both horizontally and vertically. Yeah, you know, I st- I still come back to that thought though that for some reason we don't do it right. For some, and, and is it a time thing, or is it you know do they just think, well, we don't want to invest the extra time? Is it Maybe, and this, you know, comes back to what I get to do week in and week out with churches. Maybe they don't understand their story, you know, their unique story to some degree to be able to retell it in a way where they feel confident about it. I still, I still think a lot of folks think, well, this is going to cost more money. And there's probably, I come back to that word stewardship. I, you know, it's funny, you know, we, 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 it's another way to say we're cheap, right? On some levels, like we just don't want to spend money versus saying, Hey, listen, let's spend the money the best way we can. Right. Well, in the business world, we call it return on investment, ROI, right? Yeah. You always want to, how do we take our resources to get the highest and best ROI? Yeah. And so rather than just looking at a project and saying, how can we do it the cheapest or whatever, it's how do we get the 
biggest and leverage the most ROI. So spending a little more well, time and money. Time and money. To and, tell a story in a better, more visible way. Correct. May return higher yield than not spending the time and the money and not telling the story. Correct. I mean, the parable of the talents, yeah. right? So, and and so exactly that. Bring the Bible into it. That's very, yeah, that's right. I mean, it is true. Right. That's, that is, a, right. in a sense, the essence. And so we of like to think story. of it as kingdom ROI. Yeah. How can we take, you're already spending the dollars on on a facility or, or yeah. facilities or children's space or something like that. How do we take that and make sure that that, that space uh, you know, well, first you got to know who you are. And yeah, so, you know, yeah. we and other organizations, Oxano can come alongside and really help understand that vision, yeah, that yeah. story and how you're messaging that, how you're communicating that. Does everyone understand the uniqueness of who you are and, and, and that, and that messaging. And then how do we make sure that the environment, that facility is communicating that and being able to foster those goals, right? Yeah. You know, obviously certain churches have various goals, you know, everything from celebrate recovery, to mom's groups to you know uh, yeah. to baptisms you know yeah. and so how are how are we able to facilitate those goals uh, as well as telling that story and, and communicating what do, what do you think is the first step so so if there's a pastor out there listening a church staff member maybe it's even a, a deacon or, a, or an elder listening to this what what would you say is a first step for them like in beginning to think this way not just kind of call us but what's what do they need to do even before that first that first phone call. Well, um, another question I wasn't quite prepared for yet. But okay, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I should know it already, but I'm actually trying to be. You know, I can talk li- for a little while and let you think. No, I'm really no, good at that. No, no. <laughs> I think um, a couple of things. You know, if you were planning for a vacation, right? You yeah. do a little bit of research and, yeah. and things. Yeah. I think um, you know. I would really recommend anyone you know understanding. Look. Let's make sure that as we take the step, we know we need space. We know that there's some functional needs that we need. Let's make sure that we take the approach of, well, let's address the functional needs, but let's make sure that we also look at it from a from a spiritual standpoint of how can we make sure we get the greatest kingdom return yeah. on investment. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, whether it's hiring a visionary studios or bringing in an Oxano or others, you know, make sure that you understand kind of the vision and yeah. the purpose for doing this and make sure that this project will achieve those goals of, of carrying out that vision, being able to execute the vision, communicating your story. I mean, there needs to be some goals for the space besides just extra square footage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my mind is full of questions I didn't prep you with. So <laughs> here's it. another one. Is there something you're seeing as you guys are working with churches in the last couple of years? Is there something new emerging on the horizon? Is there some kind of, are, are, are there churches that are out there that are like kind of thinking in new ways, in different ways that's that's helpful and revolutionary? Or is it really just kind of coming back to the basics and saying, hey, listen, let's, let's tell our story well. Are you guys yeah. seeing any trends out there? Well, I wouldn't say that this is necessarily new, but I'll kind of repeat where some of the trends are going. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there was a trend where you had, you know, enough space to handle all of everyone Sunday morning, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) Kind of programming for three hours on Sunday. And um, I think what we're seeing is, is that churches and communities don't have to be just a Sunday event. 
Um, and Meaning so, there's interaction, there's permission to use campus use the space. More than and just, so, you okay. know, we're seeing, you know, whether it is, you know, um, you know, obviously Bible study and small group classes right. and things. But maybe and, not even non-church functions, right? It's the non-church functions. That's the thing. You know, people are, you know, people still go to a Barnes and Noble to hang out and read a book and, you know, not buy the book, just, just peruse read it. Right? It, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, people always look for space to connect, yeah, you yeah. know, meet a friend, yeah. hang out and stuff. And so what, what, what we tend to see a lot are what used to be foyers or lobbies yeah. really becoming family rooms, right? Mm-hmm. So the church is inviting people into our family room. And that may be an art exhibit on Wednesday nights for local artists that, you know, really have a need to finally have a showing, yeah. you know, because that showing on their resume is a big deal. And, you know, to invite their supporters and guests and everything else. And so, you know, and embrace the arts. It doesn't just have to be an art gallery. What happens when the church embraces the art? I mean, you know, when you think about art and creativity, I mean, God's the best designer out there. And the church led the way for centuries. Exactly, exactly. And then we resounded because it was, quote unquote, secular, <laughs> right? Right. And so, you know, I think, you know, whether it's inviting arts yeah. back into it, whether it's inviting other community aspects, uh, we've worked with some churches where, you know, local city governments just don't have the funds anymore for mm-hmm. extracurricular activities or venues and space. And so, you know, when the church really begins to partner with the city and say, what do you need? What can yeah. we help you with? Is it space? Is it, you know, do you want us to run your after-school programs? We can run them here, you know? And, yeah. and so, you know, whether it's the arts, whether it's working with the city, but really becoming community spaces. And I, I think churches are are having to navigate that because people are going less and less on Sundays, mm-hmm. right? You know, we have online, we have other formats where we yeah. can quote unquote get Sunday church from, but we still have a need to connect. We still need space to do that. We still have yeah. uh, a lot of other things that happen in our lives. And um, I think when churches figure out how can we be that next choice, yeah. <laughs> you know, or that space is huge. And then once you get into your space, how are you then telling the greatest story? Yeah. Right? You know, and so, and how are you communicating how they can get involved and what this church is about and finding out, you know, more just through the story that's being told in that space? I love it because I, for years and years, and I've fostered this for a number of years, I've led this from the church side for a number of years. I think there's been an approach of, well, if we build it, they will come. If we put up a new building, if we remember it was the gyms back in the 70s and 80s, right. we're going to have a gym and everybody's going to come and, then we had to create programs for that. Now we had to sustain programs for that. We realized it was just, you know, our own church kids. We weren't really reaching the community anymore. You know, so the field of dreams, like if we build it, will come, doesn't really work. But if right. we'll take that missiological approach, if we'll if we'll stop and, and ask the question of our city leaders, of our of our school district leaders, of some of those things, because right. in many cases, the 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 worshiping space for a church is the largest assembly space in some communities. Correct. And and so high school graduations and other things like that. Um, man, getting them on property is half the battle. If they're there of their own will, uh, and we can tell their our story at the same time. Uh, yeah, we've seen churches do what's called fifth quarter. Yeah, right after football games. Yeah. Right? How many kids want to go do something after fifth quarters? And they, you know, they'll go all hang out at like, uh, well, here in California, In and Out Burger or something, right? But you know, that's hard oh. to have a, you know. 
hundreds of kids there, yeah. right? But, you know, if a church has a fifth quarter that says, hey, after your football game, yeah. come on over yeah. here. You know, we got food trucks. Yeah. We yeah. got space to hang. We're playing music. Come on over and, you know, use our space to, to hang in afterwards or whatever. And like then when they hold a youth event, I mean, people are already familiar, connected, and invested. So I love that. And you know, a food, yeah, that idea, or just, I just, because I know you guys have helped churches like build like food, food truck courts. They don't have to have big industrial kitchens that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars anymore. Just have party, design intentionally part of your driveway that you're already going to build, you're already going to pave to be able to be closed off and food trucks pull up, and all of a sudden you have a courtyard and there's a community event. Can happen on a Friday night, Saturday, whenever. I love that. I think that's a great way to think. And I think um, churches could benefit from that. You guys are, Visioneering Studios in, in particular is is a kind of a, a national company, right? You have studios in different places. Tell us about that. Well, I mean, how does that work? Yeah, we have our location here in California. Right. We have a, a location in Nashville. These are our two, we call them studios, kind of our largest okay. studios where we have a group of people and everything else. So you're on the top floor in SoCal and you're in a basement in Nashville. Because I've been to the Nashville. A, a church basement, a church former basement. church. It's a pretty killer space too. Yeah. You guys, if you guys do half as well with churches as you do your own spaces, and I know you do, you do twice as well. Thank you. Uh, it's really good. Thank you. And then we have uh, locations in uh, in Colorado and yeah. Denver and yeah. in Dallas and Texas yeah. and in Charlotte, North Carolina. Meaning you have some staff there that staff are able to service well. different parts of the country. And so and, yeah. from a standpoint, you know, architecture is a fairly licensed, controlled, yeah. you know, profession. Yeah. Yeah. Same with construction. Yeah. And so we hold about 40 plus licenses in, in, in over yeah. states. So about 40 plus states, uh, both in architecture and about 30 plus in construction. So and that's because you just don't want to work in some states, right? You just don't want <laughs> to work in Arkansas. We just haven't been asked. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think we are licensed in Arkansas. But, uh, but um, the first one you guys got was Hawaii, right? The first new license was, hey, we're... That, that's one we're not licensed in. Oh, really? Uh, at least from construction. We may yeah. be we may be in architecture, but, you know, really... Um, Hawaii pastors, yes. call. <laughs> we'd love, we'd love to, to put you on the list. Um, you know, it's been it's been neat with the locations that we have. We pretty much are involved in every time zone. Mm-hmm. We can be on a plane. We can be local. We can be on a plane and be there in you know an hour. Or so yeah, it can be a day yeah. trip. Um, but really, you know, it's if you want to talk about competition, being transparent, right? Yeah. Kind of our greatest competition is that local architect. Oh, well, we got the guy around the corner. He can help us Maybe out. Maybe they already He's attend the church. By the way, the church downtown or... Santa Ana, the fire truck going by. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right downtown. Yeah. So so you're saying, you know, there's there's usually somebody local that may, I mean, tell, finish up. Well, and I was just saying, you know, they may or, or may not be the best equipped to really help you, right? Yeah. You know, if you think about, you know, what we've learned over the last 15 years, uh, you know, doing, you know, a thousand plus churches um, and, and working with various organizations, partnering alongside with groups like Oxano and really understanding yeah. kind of what's what's happening in the church today um, and, and learning from those mistakes mm. and process and everything else. Um, you know, sometimes that local architect really may not be the most equipped. Mainly do one or two churches every few years. If, versus, if that, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. and then like if you think of... Uh, Going to a Disney example, you know, if you're building a theme park, you wouldn't necessarily Disney would not say, well, let's just hire the local architect to, to yeah. do it. You know, yeah. what you know, what we have with the ability of having a national practice is we have a lot of collaboration, a lot of lessons learned, a lot of great talent. Yeah. And when we get involved in the process in, in your process um, of, of, of development, 
we all work together on the project. Yeah. So we share collaboratively challenges. What would you do here? That iron sharpening iron. And so, you know, your your project may be in Arkansas, but you have people across the country who are talking about yeah. your project, who are collaborating and putting in. And um, I love there's this kind of exercise that I did in a class one time for kind of collaboration. And it was, you know, take a paperclip and individually come up with ideas for a use of a paperclip, right? You know, clipping yeah, papers yeah, together yeah, or yeah. maybe use it to reset your watch, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then they said, okay, break out into groups of five or 10 people each and now come up with a list. And even when we started marrying lists, there was that part. But then collectively, as we started talking together, yeah. there was a whole bunch more. And so what people maybe came up with 10 uses on their own, together as a group you know i think the the winner came up the winning team came up with about 73 uses for wow. paper clip. so when you think about your project you have the ability of having visioneering studios collectively discuss creatively yeah, come together yeah. and really be problem solvers creative solutions and design and you know you think about that type of input i mean that's that's what we bring that some local architect wouldn't necessarily be able to bring and at the heart of it all is you guys, you know, your heart for ministry, absolutely, your heart for the local church, and to tell their story, story. through their greatest story, right? This is this is the Christ story told at the local church level, right where they are, whether they're in the mountains or at the beach, you know, in Middle Tennessee where I live, or or the Northwest yeah. where people who get depressed a lot live. Uh, wherever they are, yeah, I'm just kidding. It's, it rains up there a lot, right? Uh, wherever they are to tell that story. I, well, I'm I'm nodding because in architecture school, you know, you're not necessarily told to design around story, right? Yeah, Oftentimes yeah. it's about form, right, and shape, yeah. and form and follows function, function right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but um, you know, and not only that, there's certain architects that want their yeah. own flair. Yeah. Well, I really like natural wood, so this one's yeah. gonna have a lot. Of, yeah. Most know, of the story. Told through architecture. And this is what I learned. I mean, this is is a personal story that the architect, architect. and designer is telling themselves. Correct. Right. And on what, somebody else's budget. And, and a differentiator with Visioneering Studios is it's never about us. In fact, we want to make sure that our fingerprints aren't left anywhere mm. within the story, mm. but that God's fingerprints are there, right? Wow. You know, that there is story, there is purpose, and that it's the story, you know, of Christ and salvation and redemption and grace and forgiveness and, uh, and not some form, you know, wood, weathered wood, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's my personal, you know, you know, desire for the space. And so, yeah, I think it's pretty rare to get that in a, in a, in a design firm. How do you feel about shiplap? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys probably get, can you put a shiplap wall? No, I'm just kidding. Hey, listen, I love that. I love, I love that you guys um, are leveraging what would traditionally be thought of as non-church kind of marketplace is a term I love mm -hmm. uh, functionality hey we just got to build a building but you're saying hey listen this is an opportunity um, to really point people to Jesus to really let our buildings carry some of our evangelistic load Absolutely. Uh, and support the work that we're equipping our people to do uh, I think it's just as important for leaders to equip the buildings to tell the story of Christ as it is to tell equip their people well said. So, that's great. Hey, listen, I asked three questions of every podcast guest. So uh, you you were prepared for these. So <laughs> yeah, here's the first one. What's one daily or regular habit you practice that keeps you close to the heart of God? You know, it, there's a lot that we do. Yeah. Um, 
But for me, it's it's really about asking the Lord for wisdom and how can I serve others. Yeah. And um, what does that look like for you? How do you, I mean? Is that just a daily a daily morning reminder? Is there? It is. I, I think you know always want to be kept in check. Yeah. You yeah. Know, humility, being a servant, and yeah. um, and you know I'd say how is it how it's, how is it practice? Yeah. Well, um, I'm not. I'm an introvert, right? So I'm not always out there. But you know, for me, you know, we we park in a public parking structure right yeah. across the street. Yeah. You know, I get to drive in and I see the attendant there every day. I immediately went out and said, hey, I want to know this guy's name. Yeah. He's Ruben. He's been handicapped because he was part of a gang and gotten into gang violence. Mm. But, you know, being able to hear his story. And if I wasn't praying every morning, God, keep me humble. Help me be a servant. How can I serve others? I'm not sure I would necessarily reach out. I'd probably just swipe my card, zoom on up and yeah. park in my parking spot. So, you know, it's it's encouraging me to practice what I wouldn't normally do. Mm. I love that. Uh, if you could go back to your first year of ministry and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? This was an interesting one. And I think um, I would I would say uh, I, I like kind of the the story of the tortoise and the hare. Okay. And I think when we're young, we're really excited and we want to make change immediately. And, and, and so kind of the analogy would be a little bit of the hare, right? Yeah, running yeah. out there, run, getting run, it done run, run. and, yeah. you know, on fire for Christ and stuff. And I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know? <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but, you know, understanding. I mean, that's not a good phrase. We can acknowledge that. <laughs> exactly. Right? Okay. But, um, you know, the idea of the tortoise, yeah, you know, just yeah. having the long perspective or the mm. long view in mind and knowing that, you know, um, this is a journey and I'm continuing to build upon that journey. And how am I impacting lives? What am I doing? You know, just keeping that long perspective yeah. in mind. Sometimes in that kind of that that slower movement, we're, a, we're better able to see the Rubens right around us. Right. Versus, the, you know, the hairs just kind of get in, get to the office and do those things. So. Exactly. I love that. Last question. Is there one book you consistently recommend or give as a gift? And uh, I'm not a big book reader. I okay. should be. I wish okay. I was. Uh, but one of the books was The Experience Economy. Um, that one was really interesting and kind of reflects. What is it? What is it, it, it reflects back to a little bit what we were talking about earlier is this idea of um, having an experience during that transaction, right? So it's not just a cup of coffee, but it's the experience of having that cup of coffee, yeah. of understanding where that bean came from and the story behind it and stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, translating that into the church um, church world of being able to, what's the experience when someone attends church or is involved in your particular church? And, um, you know, really keeping that in perspective of, um, you know, being able to communicate your vision, your story, and who you are uh, as an entity. So, More than a transaction. More than a transaction, right? So someone just goes to church on Sunday, right? In and out, that's a transaction. Yeah. And, you know, they may, you know, they they did that, right? But um, how, what was the experience like for them and what was communicated? And, and are they taking away what you intended for them to take away? It's great. John thank Parker, you. thank you for being a part of Visioning Studios. Your introversion was not too too pressed in on by my extroversion, was it? Absolutely not. <laughs> Love the time. Thanks, Brian. It's great. You guys are doing a great work. Thank you for listening to My Ministry Breakthrough from the Oxano Podcast Network. You can head over to myministrybreakthrough.com to join the conversation and access our show notes, including the books or other resources mentioned in this episode. If you enjoy hearing these stories of ministry breakthrough, we would be honored if you would subscribe, rate, and even leave a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. 
Thanks again for listening.